Good afternoon, mighty mums. 6.02, let's get cranking. So, hello everyone, Donna, uh, Karina, Miriam, Sarah and Dion. Thanks for coming on board tonight. Uh, some of you may know Jacob, some of you may not. Uh, Jacob is our registered psychologist uh, that's on board with the Mighty Mum movement. And tonight we'll be talking about the topic instant gratification, uh, which is something that I think maybe we all need help with and that's not you know, giving in to those feelings that don't necessarily help us long term. So we are, at the end of this, we will uh, answer any questions, but there is a chat box here that I am just tapping in there. If you've got any questions, just type in that chat box and we'll be you know, answering as Jacob talks. Uh, but if you have any at the end of it, um, we, we will open it up so you can um, answer those, Jacob will answer those questions for you. So, hey Donna. So Jacob, thanks for coming on board. Uh, let's start from the top, hey? What is instant gratification? Let's start there. Yeah, let's start there. But firstly, let me just uh, say hi to you all because I think it is a uh, first for many of you and maybe even me. I think there's a lot of new faces. So uh, glad to have you girls on board. And as Aaron said, we do have the chat function there. So I can only imagine how boring it would be to hear my voice only for 30 minutes. So absolutely feel free to shoot through any questions. It must be as interactive as possible because we want to give you, um, give you ladies some really gold here today. But... As Aaron said, instant gratification is uh, the topic for tonight. And in terms of, I suppose, defining that, uh, I think there are a couple of different ways you could look at it, right? Because I think for many of us, we think of instant gratification as something that's really bad and kind of gets a bad rap. But I think for us, instant gratification really is just that immediate reward that we experience as pleasure. And I think that's instant gratification as a, as a response, if you will, a physiological response because in the moment when we get a reward, our brain is releasing all sorts of feel-good chemicals that you know, gives us a sense of gratification in the moment. So instant gratification is, is a physiological response, but in some other ways, it's also and can be a behavior in that we engage in instant gratification. Um, so I think for the purpose of tonight, I would assume that's going to be where most of our focus lies and what would perhaps be quite relevant for all of us. Because again, with instant gratification, it is that I suppose, experience of pleasure that we feel in any one moment, uh, which doesn't always have to be a, a bad thing. But I can understand how when it comes to instant gratification, you can get a bit of a bad rap. So, yeah, it depends which way you skin it, but those two, those are the two broad definitions, I'd say. And let's dive into, in terms of instant gratification, like when is it beneficial and when is it not? Yeah, good question. Because as I kind of just highlighted before, right, that, Instant gratification, especially as in form of a behavior, right, or a habit, um, like a lot of things, it's not inherently good or bad, which means that it's not, you know, um, something that carries intrinsic value to always be good or always be bad, but it can be either beneficial or burdening, depending on the context. So if we think about instant gratification and how it's this experience of immediate pleasure, I mean, there can be so many experiences or circumstances where that's beneficial, right? Maybe if we are scratching off a scratchy, right? And we just bought a lottery ticket and we win, that's an instant gratification right there that, hey, would be pretty almost beneficial but quite rational in the moment. But I suppose, again, instant gratification, you know, it's, it's that real source of pleasure that if we do something well, maybe it's a job that we've just done for our boss and we get an instant gratification, whether it's a compliment, whether it's a pay raise, whether it's a bonus, these are all some things that give us that sense of pleasure and therefore, because of the way that our brain is wired, encourages us to do it more often. 
And that's the way that, you know, really our reward circuitry is inbuilt into our brain is that it's all about avoiding pain by seeking pleasure. And that pleasure principle is exactly what encourages us to continue to do behaviors uh, that are going to be, you know, arguably good for us. So when it's not beneficial and maybe when it's burning in terms of, you know, uh, I suppose bowing in and surrendering into what can be immediate gratification or instant gratification is when it does become a burden to you socially, maybe financially, uh, physically, mentally, um, and, and again, even emotionally. Because if we are engaging in behaviors and habits that give us a sense of immediate gratification, but are in the long run not productive or conducive towards us achieving our end goal or becoming the person that we want to become, then that's when it's going to become a burden. It's not that instant gratification is a bad thing. Instant gratification is something that is a very natural response that our body has in order to reinforce behavior. But it can become burdening when it's reinforcing an undesired behavior. So that's where we've got to be really, really careful that when we are putting in disciplines and implementing new habits, that we're rewarding ourselves, but we're rewarding ourselves for the right things. So if we are, you know, for an example, which is what is maybe a, a common instant gratification, if we are having the urges and the temptations for eating a sugary treat or, you know, breaking our diet or whatever that looks like, we've got the urge and the temptation there. And then the instant gratification comes when we kind of abandon our values, when we abandon our diet plan and we actually indulge in, say, that chocolate bar or whatever it be, right? So it provides that sense of pleasure in the moment because who doesn't love a good chocolate bar? But afterwards, we feel pretty crappy about it. Afterwards, we might feel the guilt. Afterwards, we might even go as far to feel the shame. We beat ourselves up. We've become quite critical of oneself. And so the pleasure of the candy bar is a good thing. But when it's done in, I suppose, uh, what would the word be? In conflict with our values and what we want to be doing, it's going to inevitably lead up to a more negative emotion, which is where instant gratification can become obviously quite burdening. Awesome. And um, I think uh, you've kind of hit it on the head and I've learned something there as well that it's kind of beneficial or burdening um, because I was, you're kind of saying, okay, if I do something and it's, it's obviously what our brain perceives as arguably pleasurable, why not do more of it? But then also it has that, um, the other side of burdening and also thinking long-term, is this affecting me socially, physically and mentally? And then obviously it can go down the path of addictions and all that kind of thing, which is a deeper thing, uh, but more on a high level in terms of health and fitness as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess the next question I have for you is, um, why is it so easy as humans to, to give in to that instant gratification? Uh, I mean, hey, again, depends on what angle you come at it from. But I mean, even if you just look at it sociologically, right? I mean, we are as a people primed and raised in a way that values immediacy, right? We live in the age of microwaves. We live in the age of devices that have the wealth of information in our palm. Uh, and we live in, you know, the drive-through era of fast food. Like everything is the, you know, give it to me quick, give it to me now. Uh, and if I have to wait more than two minutes, I, I become quite frustrated and almost impatient. And I think that's just, again, a testament to how conditioned we are to need things in the here and now. And what that inevitably does is it sets us up with this you know, presumption that I, I must have everything when I want it. Um, and so I think from even a young age, it doesn't actually help us develop what can be the ability to delay gratification, the ability to practice patience and to sit with what can be sometimes frustration. Um, And so I think, again, like we've kind of in a large way got our societal constructs against us. 
Um, and so it's a quite a normal thing. But I think even from a psychological perspective, as I mentioned before, that our brains are primarily running on the algorithm of avoid pain and seek pleasure. And so we are constantly looking for a source of pleasure. And that obviously comes in a whole variety of different ways for every different individual. Um, but because we're constantly on the lookout, whenever something is deemed to be pleasurable in our life, our brain is just almost you know, wanting us to say, okay, well, hey, that's, that's something that's really good. Let's, let's do that all the time and as much as we can. So that's where, as you mentioned before, Aaron, like addictions can certainly come into it because of, you know, there's a, there's a whole other side of what, you know, could be just what I'm about to say. But even, you know, some of the chemical hooks, they, they hijack the reward circuitry in the brain, where, the brain where they release serotonin, endorphins, opioids, all these feel-good chemicals that despite it maybe having a bit of a detrimental effect on us socially, physically, financially, our brain's just saying, hey, I don't care about all that stuff because the only thing I care about right now is feeling good. And so it's that kind of real primitive part of the brain that just says, hey, if it feels good, do it. Um, and so even our brain in some ways is, is really working against us. And we, we can see that even from looking at toddlers, right? I know that many of you being Mighty Mums Movement would have children of your own. And so you would know this all too well, right? There's not a lot of self-control there that if the emotions are running hot and something is taken away from them that they really want to do, um, it's, it's tantrum time, right? And there's actually a difficulty in delaying what can be the gratification that they want. And so it, it's a part of maturity as well that, you know, for us, we're, we're just not primed to practicing patience or practicing self-control. We have to learn that. Um, and if maybe based on the way that we've been brought up and what's modeled to us, um, that can also be a difficulty for us as adults. But thank God that, you know, we're, we're not our brain, right? We, we can definitely hop back in the driver's seat and bring intentionality and mindfulness to our life in a way that we don't have to then be, you know, a victim to our physiology or our psychology, but we can actually, uh, yeah, take control and actually do some really practical things to, to improve our ability to delay what can be the, the unhelpful gratification. Totally. And I think that's such a strong pull because like sometimes our brain is working in our favor, but sometimes it's working against us chemically as well. When you do have these strong chemicals of dopamine, serotonin, when it's like the brain's like, well, I feel good, but is this actually feel good for now or feel good for long term? And I think that's a, a hard thing to, to grasp, you know, especially as society, you know, sometimes says like, if you want something, go get it. If you want food, go mm -hmm. get it. Like it's just easy to get it. But when it comes maybe to health and fitness where things do take time, and things are, you know, you're going to hit obstacles, you're going to hit challenges. And the easy thing, you know, where you're stressed out might be to go to alcohol or might be go to something that numbs the pain for right now. But what happens long term if we continue to get that habit? I think it's that awareness that you're saying, that mindfulness, which I know you'll touch on. But um, what are the benefits, I guess, to, to delaying gratification? Well, I think kind of as I've alluded to before, right, it actually allows us to hop back in the driver's seat of our life. And I think when we aren't intentional and we don't have a level of mindfulness to our everyday, we, we can become very unaware of even just how the, the things in our everyday are affecting us. Um, you know, again, like in the way that we've been conditioned to almost just mindlessly scroll through emails and social media and responding to texts and, you know, mindless TV and things. And, and don't, don't hear me wrong, like I'm not against those things, but this is exactly what the point of today is, right? That we understand it's, it's everything in moderation, but it's also with mindfulness because, you know, the benefits in being able to delay gratification means that you're not falling victim to what is the natural push and pull of the world. And the natural push and pull of, again, what is seen to be pleasurable, but long-term might not have the greatest benefit for you. Um, and I think, again, because we are 
in, in a large and many ways, almost um, set up to just act on our impulses. Um, the ability to do that, not just when it comes to health and fitness, but it, it kind of crosses over. It's one of those very transferable skills that if we can learn on how to, you know, delay our temptations, delay our urges, when it comes to even some of the physical side of things, um, your ability to be able to manage emotions, your ability to be able to, um, again, work, work in healthy conversations in a work context, in a family context. Like there's actually just a lot of great benefits that come from being able to be the master of, of your emotions. And I think that does include some of the, the urges and the temptations that we can feel physically. Because as Aaron just mentioned, some of what can be the go-to coping mechanisms do include things like alcohol or smoking or sugary treats, right? Um, but again, there's nothing wrong with those necessarily, but it's how we use them. And if they are being used as that coping mechanism when we face those rough patches in life and we hit a bit of a stressful time or you know, something takes us off our keel and, hey, let's be honest, like it, that's life, right? That's going to happen. Um, but because it's going to happen, do we not want to set ourselves up in a way that we are responding to life rather than reacting to life? Because if you're just relying on your reactions and your impulses, uh, hey, listen, I mean, it's ultimately not going to be a life that I think where we're taking responsibility for. So, yeah. I think, um, yeah, you're kind of spot on there, like responding, reacting. And um, I think it's when that, you know, that habit, it turns into a, a habit that doesn't necessarily serve us. And then it's, and you got chemicals and it's been six months, 12 months now, it's been years and, you know, obviously it becomes a lot harder to kind of switch that back. Uh, and ultimately it's getting in that at the very beginning before it does become a, a detriment long-term. So I guess it's all easy saying done and say to someone, hey, like, you know, just... Just don't like wait, be patient. Um, yeah. I guess what, what makes delay gratification, I, I guess, just that more difficult to actually implement? Um, you, you think about maybe times where, I mean, we've all heard of hangry, right? Where if you're feeling really hungry, uh, you get a little bit angry and you're quite irritable. And I think that's just a really healthy picture or a helpful picture rather of showing how when we are in lack, we don't always necessarily have the presence of mind to respond in a favorable way. Uh, the same could be said when you're having an argument maybe with your partner, right? That emotions are running hot, uh, you're a little bit hot under the collar and we're kind of flooded with emotions and we we, we react and we, we kind of do things and we lash out because we're, we're kind of coming from a place of almost depletion, right? We've kind of maybe extended the grace, we've extended the patience, we've extended the, you know, the compassion. Um, but if we're tired and if we're hungry um, and if we're already a little bit stressed, like our, our output has been so extensive that, it takes effort to be, to be self-controlled, right? And to actually moderate some of our impulses. So coming back to your question, well, what makes it difficult? It actually can be difficult to maintain self-control and to deal with, you know, the impulses for immediate gratification when we're already coming from a place of lack. And so that's why it's incredibly difficult for the person who, you know, is living a really stressed life to be able to put in the effort and the discipline to, to say no to certain things, even the small things. Because, you know, there's such a thing as decision fatigue. And so that's where, I mean, the, the fable goes. I'm not sure how true it is exactly. Don't know about with Trump because he does whatever he wants. But back in the, uh, I think it was the, uh, maybe Obama days, I think it was, with, with the president uh, of America, I think he pretty much only had black and blue suits. And the rationale for that was that he has so many big decisions that he needs to be making all the time and putting effort and concentration into, which is a finite resource. We don't have an unlimited supply of, you know, this type of, control and decision making 
And so in order to reserve as much energy for the big things, he kind of minimized what could be the really trivial decisions in his life. And so that really minimized what can be known as decision fatigue. And so for us, we've got to be proactive. If we want to get really good at knowing how to respond well and make the right decisions in the moment, it's got to come from that place of almost rest or fulfillment. And, and I get it. Like we all probably live very full lives and we'll never perhaps really, you know, be on holiday for the rest of our life, right? That's, that's not a realistic expectation. But it is a challenge to be looking at, okay, well, what are the real particulars and maybe the, the rhythms of my life that I could just bring a pre-commitment to that minimizes the needing to choose? So for example, and this is my own personal example, you know, waking up in the morning, especially now coming into winter, you kind of hit your alarm button for, you know, waking up at whatever ungodly hour that Aaron gets you up at, 5 a.m., 6 a.m., whatever it is to hit your 10,000 steps. Um, but it's, it's all too gratifying to just roll over and hit the snooze button, right? Because the idea of waking up, getting out of your bed, it's nice and cozy, you're having to change, you're having to do your laces up, you're having to get outside and do your run. Like there's so many different kind of, I suppose, decision points within that process of getting out of bed to being on the street, right? But for me personally, I find that if you can minimize the amount of decisions you have to make, so set out your gym clothes ahead of time so you don't have to wake up and look in your wardrobe of, okay, well, what am I going to wear today, right? And sometimes, if you, even if you want to go this far, is you wear your gym clothes to bed. Because what that does is that when you wake up, there's one less obstacle, there's one less decision that you need to make in order to actually follow through with your pre-commitment. And so that's kind of how we can reverse engineer this decision fatigue because you know that you want to do it. And so rather than allowing yourself the opportunity to decide yes or no, you just kind of reduce that gap quite a lot to be able to say, well, hey, listen, I'm already halfway there. So I don't have to spend so much energy trying to convince myself to do it. I've kind of already, when I was strong in the nighttime, when it's not so cold and cozy in bed, to put some strategies in place to kind of help me and edge me closer towards that decision. Yeah, I really like that. The less decisions, the better. And I know like a lot of, you know, highly successful people do that is they wear the same outfit, you know, all the time because yeah. they don't want to make, you know, uh, bigger decisions. And I know something I do because I have to wake up early is I drink a lot of water before nighttime. So I have to wake up and it, it makes me go to the toilet and therefore I'm ready up and therefore, you know, I have to wake up and ready to go. So, so it's little practical things. And I, I know that's what you know, we're all waiting for, all the mum is waiting for is, is how do we work to delay gratification? Like what, what are the practical steps that we can do to actually get better at this? Yeah, and I think as I mentioned, like that's one really hopefully practical thing that would be different for every lady, right? That, you know, you're all live different lives, you all have different, I suppose, call it capacities, but I think just different demands on us. And so I think, you know, look at your own individual life and say, okay, well, where are the non-negotiables and where are the consistencies that I can actually just, put in almost a structure so that I don't have to make the decision in the moment, but I'm actually setting up this almost kind of automated process in my life. And it's not mindless automation. It's, it's mindful because it's planned and it's effortful. And, and that's also why sometimes this idea of delaying gratification can be difficult because it does take effort. It does take planning. We, we can't just expect to, in the moment, respond on the ball every time. Uh, because again, we all live lives that are all very impressing on us and, and very stressful and, and depleting of us. So the, the more that we can simplify and refine that decision-making process, the better. But I suppose the, the point that I'd like to add on to that is what is so simple, but obviously so effective, um, something that because it's so simple, sometimes we overlook it, but just to minimize triggers in our life, right? We've probably all heard of the term triggers and it's that kind of cue in our environment whether it's our thoughts whether it's uh, an object in our world or whatever it be that actually leads into aaron's drawing it here what we call a thought 
right? And the trigger is what kind of starts us down this train of thought that says, oh, well, I know I don't want to do that. I don't want to consume that, but maybe I can come up with some type of justification. You know, I've been doing so well for so long, I kind of deserve this treat. And that permissive thought, ultimately, we can see here going counterclockwise in Aaron's circle is that it leads to the behavior. And then we engage in the treat or we start hitting the snooze button all too often or we actually delay what could be a workout or any, any simple task or chore around the house to, to watch Netflix or to go on social media or whatever. And again, remember, these aren't bad things, but it can sometimes become what is a negative in our life if it is taking away from what we have pre-committed to and inevitably makes us feel even worse. Um, and that's where we get the emotions coming down on the last point there that the cycle Aaron has drawn is that the emotional aftermath is that we feel guilty and that we kind of beat oneself up. And this is probably another, another talk altogether. Uh, and I think I might've touched on this the last time I was with you ladies, but you know, because we're always avoiding pain and seeking pleasure, our brain is processing these, these guilt trips, these shame responses, these criticism, these self condemnations as pain. And so the, the more harsh that we respond to oneself is only going to make matters worse because we start to feel pain and therefore our brain saying, well, I don't like this. Let's seek for something that's going to make me feel good, a good pick-me-up. And we come back to the triggers because if they're there in the cupboard staring us in the face, the piece of chocolate cake in the fridge, um, it's almost like we set ourselves up for a fall because our brain's just crying out for some type of pleasure. Um, but rather, we can see at each of these points, there are kind of almost like these off-ramps that we can take from what can be this very habitual cycle. And so what I was saying before is the triggers, right? If, if you are, and I, and I hope this doesn't kind of touch a nerve for anyone. If it does, I mean, we can chat. But I mean, for those who you know, might have experience with alcoholism or, people, or know people in their world, or maybe for you, that's been a bit of a challenge, you, you might know all too well that sobriety is only really accomplished with removing yourself from, from triggers, right? We, we can't expect to do away with a drinking habit or a drinking problem if we're working in a bar because we're constantly around those cues and those triggers of, hey, have a drink. And so if we are ourselves wanting to delay gratification of whatever that is, whether it is social media, whether it's food in the cupboard that we don't want to be eating because it's, you know, again, not helping us achieve our health and fitness goals, get rid of it, right? I mean, I, I probably do this every fortnight maybe i have to do a bit of an audit on my cupboard because if i've been slack that week i say well okay listen it's pretty hard to to eat a piece of chocolate if the piece of chocolate's not there and so you know don't even i suppose play the hero to think oh you know what i'll leave it there just in case and i'll i'll, I'll resist it right I, I believe that i can say no to that like why why risk it right like kind of help yourself with the whole decision fatigue by just removing the triggers altogether if it's the netflix or the social media that's preventing us from actually achieving our goals and the person that we want to become Maybe go on a bit of a fast for a while, right? A bit of a detox. And so delete the app from your phone and maybe, I don't know, put some type of system in place where you can't re-download it because, again, if it's not there, it's not going to be an issue. A lot easier said than done, I know. But this is sometimes what can be so simple is that when we remove the triggers, then we don't allow ourselves to then engage in that thought process that we have there. Uh, and I'm taking the gap a little bit. I hope you don't mind, Aaron. I'm jumping ahead. But to bring in some practical strategies, as I mentioned before, or I think even as Aaron mentioned before, this is where the mindfulness comes in. Because in those moments where we hit the trigger and we feel the temptation and the impulse and the urge, the thought process is happening even as automatic as it seems. We sometimes think that, oh man, like I, I didn't even know how I found myself here. I just was strong one minute and then the next minute I'm eating a chocolate bar. But again, even instant gratification, as we mentioned before, it's, it's a behavior. It's a choice. 
And so as much as it is a physiological outcome in a, in, a, in a process, it's also a choice that we're making. And it can sometimes be so automatic in our mind because we're just operating from that back part of the brain. But this is what makes it different from, I suppose, even the animals, right? We're talking about impulse control here. Animals, they act on their impulses. They don't have much self-control. And same with babies, us as toddlers, right? We have to learn that. And so because we want to develop an awareness of our thoughts, we can actually understand that when we engage the frontal part of our brain, when we actually analyze our thoughts, when we critique them in a positive way, but we actually understand of, okay, what am I about to do? Is what I'm doing taking me closer or further away from my goal, the person I want to become? And it's not so much about coming up with the right answers as much as it is about even thinking through your thought process. Because what that's doing is it's allowing you to pay attention to the present moment and what even the research shows who um, there was a, a study set up to help people that were addicted to smoking. And they said, you know what, we're going to ignore the trigger conversation. We're going to get you in a room and we're going we're gonna to give you some cigarettes. Uh, but instead of just allowing you to kind of smoke them as you would maybe so automatically, and for us, it might be that, right? We don't think too much about how we just step into gratifying habits or whatever. But if we actually think, okay, well, how does this make me feel? What is this helping me accomplish? What am I actually, what need am I actually meeting here? Then we can develop that type of awareness on if it, is it going to be helpful or not? Because back to the smokers, they realize that, well, if they actually paid attention to how it smelled, if they actually tuned in to how it tasted, they realized that it actually tasted really bad and smelled like crap. And so the research again shows, and I know everyone's on a different journey and this isn't me advocating against smoking, but at the same time, we just acknowledge that if there's a level of mindfulness, it can often realign you to what you really want to do and who you want to become. And so without that, there's just this automated sequence of having a thought that's so permissive and we just justify, oh, you know what, I'll, I'll catch up with it next time. Or, you know, I've already had two bites of the chocolate bar, I might as well finish the whole thing. Well, might you? Like, is that actually less worse or even more better than just the two bites? Because if we were to think it through, we can probably understand that, well, yeah, okay, the sugar content in two bites is far less than a whole bar. But we can so easily justify just kind of abandoning hope and going for the whole thing. But that ability to think through what our justification is, is that idea of mindfulness and tuning into the present moment. And then behavior, we've just got on the screen there at the top, is to kind of, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm engaging in the behavior, maybe this instant gratification, right? Watching Netflix, um, going on social media, going out and having a bite, saying yes to friends, spending money that I maybe don't have because I like the reward of, you know, doing some online shopping. Um, who knows that's a bit more of an issue in COVID season, right? So again, this idea that, okay, well, I don't want to then stop the behavior necessarily. That's not my goal right now. I'm not, I'm not trying to tell myself no because when I tell myself no and if, if I inevitably do it, the emotions are guilt, right? But how can we practice this delay of gratification? Because remember, we might not be able to cure this overnight. We, we understand there's a lot more happening beneath the surface. And we always, again, know that it's a lot easier said than done. But if we were to look at how to take baby steps, it's just practicing the baby knows. So rather than saying no altogether, quitting cold turkey, flicking a switch and believing that we're going to be all good, Let's just practice little bit by little bit delaying the gratification and it can only come through mindfulness because instead of just stepping automatically into a behavior, you can say, okay, you know what? I know this might not align to what I want to really be doing and I'm thinking through what I'll be feeling afterwards, but the pull is so strong right now. Because of that, I'm not going to say no. I'm just going to say not yet. And we practice delaying the gratification. And we've talked about this before. I think I did say this the last time. Aaron iterated it. 
you know, these types of urges that we often feel only last between two and seven minutes. And so it's that process of understanding that rather than saying no to the behavior, if I just say not yet and practice this, okay, let's delay for one minute and then maybe I'll follow through. But the next time I'll commit to two minutes. The next time, three minutes. And then we're practicing this idea of self-control like a muscle. We don't expect our toddlers or our children to demonstrate such adult-like self-control straight away. It's a training process. And we are exactly the same. We have to give ourselves grace. And that's where it comes into the emotion side of things, where if we are, for whatever reason, and it does happen, have a relapse, have a setback, have a slip-up, whatever it is, we understand that, you know what? What can I do better next time? Because now I'm reviewing it. I'm thinking through what was the cycle for me? What was the permissive thought? How did I engage in the behavior? What can I do next time? How can I reduce the triggers? We're learning now. We're moving forward. We're not stepping back. We're actually taking into awareness what I can do different next time. And that's going to bring a sense of hope, then some empowerment. And again, the idea of responding to something rather than reacting out of guilt and shame that ultimately is going to allow us to take more control over this, what can be a very vicious cycle. Awesome. This is, uh, I've got a, a lot of notes in my head and I hope I can see a lot of the mums taking their notes as well. And I guess just to, to recap from if you came on a little bit late, we're talking about instant gratification and, um, you know, Jacob said it's not good or it's not good or bad. It's either beneficial or burdening. And, you know, it's a burden, uh, you know, instant gratification, you know, relates to a part in our brain that makes us you know, things that are pleasurable. And it's only a bad thing when it, or a burden when it starts to affect you socially, physically, mentally, or financially. And that's when we need to start to look at, okay, is what I'm doing actually serving me or is it only serving me in the moment? And it's usually a conflict of, of our values and it's something that, you know, we live in a now era, okay, especially, I guess, our generation is everything is whenever you want something online shopping food it's delivered to your door and it's not and we don't have to do anything for it no patience anything like that um we talked a little bit about mindfulness and um i guess the the, the thought about responding and then reacting and decision fatigue so you know jacob used the example of you know right now it's winter it's hard to wake up in the morning how can we maybe sleep in our gym gear or have our gym gear close by because the extra decision to wake up and go to the wardrobe uh, is going to allow us to justify hey i just can't be bothered and i don't wake up and then we talked about this automated process um, and trying to simplify things and how there's a trigger the trigger goes into our thoughts and then behavior and then becomes emotions and I guess the practical strategies from that is, is mindfulness and awareness of what we're actually doing because this is, like you said, an automated process that is something that we sometimes don't even notice that we're doing because our brain tells us we need this, so therefore do that because you're going to feel a certain way. But it doesn't necessarily help us long term. Um, and this will tie in with ne next month's agenda, which is, you know, we will be doing a lot of mindfulness. We will be doing a lot of um, building the prefrontal cortex. So it ties in really perfectly. Um, and practice the baby notes, okay? Because I think we in society have this all or nothing approach, right? Or I'm, I'm going down this path. I always turn to alcohol. I always turn to this. Well, now I'm just going to cut it out completely. Mm. And then we relapse and then we feel horrible because we're like, well, we're we've broken it like i just can't do it but rather practice the baby nose and have the language of not yet okay and cravings last two to seven minutes and maybe you know instead of having seven uh, glasses of alcohol you have three awesome okay you start to slowly pull back and then you reflect at the end of the week and you be kind to yourself okay i'm not where i want to be yet but i'm progressing I'm doing a lot better than I was last week. Mm -hmm. So um, I think there's some really practical steps there. Um, and I just wanted to, I guess, put it out there to the mums right now. Uh, Jake is an amazing resource. And um, I think health and fitness 
what I talk about is a lot about your beliefs, your thoughts, your patterns. And, um, you know, Jacob does this every single day. So it's an opportunity to ask questions about, about this, about instant gratification. So um, if you do have a question, just wave at me and I'll unmute you. If you don't, that's totally fine as well. But don't be shy. It's an opportunity to really use Jacob. He's got a lot of experience in this area. Um, if you feel like you're struggling with, it's a place where you won't be judged. So has anyone got any questions? Probably awesome. talk way too much. You're still on just downloading and I can sell. <laughs> Don't delay gratification on your questions. You can instant gratification right now. You can get the answer <laughs> like that. That's totally fine, guys. If no one's got questions, Jacob's very thorough in how he explains things. So I know that, um, you know, he's made things very clear because he's made it very clear for myself and I know he has for you guys as well. So if no one has any questions, um, this is going to be uploaded. And if you do have questions, comment on there and we'll be able to... Um, answer those but this week I just want everyone to be really mindful of you know what are, what are your automatic processes that you are doing right now when it comes to stress or when it comes to um, you know things that are turning you that you're feeling the need for right now rather than long term and I think the key that Jacob said there is that when we turn to food when we turn to alcohol we're trying to fulfill a need we're missing something and we need to find okay what is that trigger for us what's that emotion that's actually um, that we're actually missing or we're trying to fulfill through certain things that are going to make us feel good but not make us feel good long term and it's just like you know when you hop in the scale maybe you don't lose weight one week it's like okay like these are the process I need to stick to. These are the patients I need to have. And this is like what Jacob said. They were not focusing on the perfectionism model. We're focusing on the progress, the progress, the progress, the little steps, the baby steps. But we think we need to get it right tomorrow. We need to run marathons tomorrow. We need to be lifting a certain weight tomorrow. But as we know, it's all about the long term. And that's something that we want to instill. Awesome. Jacob, any last thoughts? No, I mean, hey, listen, hearing what your focus will be next month, I think Aaron's right that that could so easily platform us into, you know, an ongoing conversation around it because we talk about this term mindfulness that I'm sure is no uncommon term or unfamiliar term for a lot of you. Uh, and there are so many resources out there, even when it comes to instant gratification. So I might even pass something through to Aaron because, you know, it's helpful, I think, to hear it in one setting like this. Um, but, hey, life goes on and, and I understand that. And so I think the real real work and the real, I suppose, fruit and outcome comes from actually the discipline we put outside of these times. Because I think it's so great to hear something here and it's, it's encouraging and there's, you know, not, not in a bad way, a lot of hype, but I think, you know, the, the real results happen when we put that into practice. And so I think, you know, that comes with maintaining education, maintaining an interest, maintaining a, a value for it. Um, so I'll send that through to Aaron and hopefully we can get that to, to the group here. And I just encourage you to, you know, continue to, to plug away at it. Um, it really is a skill in some ways and you'll learn this next month with mindfulness. And so um, that in itself can really be the window into what our levels of frustration tolerance are. And if we are struggling with some of this delaying gratification, as Aaron's suggesting, um, it's not as easy as just saying no because sometimes it is a bit of a, a deeper need and, and that's, that's okay, that's many of us. And so I think the, the real benefit is to be able to become aware of that so that we can address the root issue. Um, it's kind of like that analogy, right? Where not that it really applies to us living in Australia, but the way I was always taught is that we get out, we shovel the driveway of snow every day to get on with that day, and to you know, it works, it's effective, but it's ethical. Um, and so you can do it, but why shovel the driveway of snow every day if you can stop the snowstorm? And I think a lot of what the snowstorm can be for, for many of us is that frustration tolerance, the belief system that we have, like Aaron's saying. 
So if we are running with the assumption and the expectation that I shouldn't have to wait in life, I should always get what I want straight away. And we don't necessarily think this in the moment, but maybe that's the way that we were raised. Maybe that's the way that we've conditioned ourselves, as I say. But unless we're actually challenging that, critiquing that and, and questioning that, then, then we're going to be hitting our head against a wall because we're just we're learning these skills and we're learning the how-tos, but not really how to apply the how-tos. Um, so I think, again, hey, if it goes into next month, let's, let's continue the chat. Um, but, you know, for that reason, be, be jotting down questions, be jotting down frustrations, be jotting down what's working and what's not. And definitely let's, let's be interactive and come with that next month and we'll uh, see some amazing results. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you very much, Jacob. Thank you. Donna, Miriama, Sarah, Donna, two Donnas, Maria, Julie, Kay, Christine, Kay, Kate, Deborah, Narissa, Kate, got a lot of double ups, <laughs> Kale, Kale, uh, Kay and um, Karina. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you, Jacob. And um, we'll talk to you all really soon. Great. See you, everyone.